Hello and welcome to the Flat Back 3 podcast. We are back once again for a brand new episode. I'm joined as always by Alistair the Claret Crusader Blackwell and George Woodgate Turner. I'm Toby Wellington. Before we get started, don't forget to follow us uh, on Instagram, like, share, subscribe, Spotify, YouTube, etc. We are going to be talking World Cup draw in just a second, but gents, how are we both? Yeah, all good. Thank you, mate. You okay? Yeah, very well. Alistair, you good? Oh, loving life. He's living the dream. Well, before we do get started today, we are going to touch on the Premier League results for literally a couple of minutes because nothing changed in the Premier League this weekend. Liverpool and City won to keep the title race as it was. Uh, All the teams at the bottom lost to keep it as it was. And everything else pretty much stayed as it was going into the weekend. And if Arsenal win on Monday, it literally is what it was going into the weekend. Um, I suppose the one thing we could touch on really quickly is our performance of the week this week, which we shared on Instagram earlier today, which was Brentford, who went to Chelsea to win 4-1. Probably the biggest surprise result of the season so far. You reckon? Yeah. I think so. I can't think of any more. Um, but Christian Eriksen getting on the score sheet in the Premier League for the first time since he's been back as well, which is absolutely fantastic. But as I said, we're going to move on from the Premier League results. We are more interested in international football this week. The World Cup draw has been made. The groups have been decided for Qatar 2022. Um, I'll read them out really quickly. So we've got Group A, which is Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal and ne- the Netherlands. Uh, Group B is England's group. They've got Iran, the US, Ukraine, Wales or Scotland. Uh, Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Poland. Group D, France and then either the UAE, Australia or Peru, uh, Denmark and Tunisia. Group E, Spain, Costa Rica or New Zealand, Germany, Japan. Group F, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia. Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. And Group H is Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay and South Korea. So what were your guys' reactions to the draw when they were made? Um, And have England been quite lucky in their group draw again? Yeah, I think England have got quite a a nice little draw for themselves there. Um, Obviously, if Wales or Scotland qualify, that will be a tasty fixture for everyone in Great Britain. But um, yeah, I think if you look at that on paper, you would think that England would get through that group. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're absolutely correct. It doesn't really matter to me who goes through from Ukraine, Wales and Scotland. We should be aiming to win that game regardless. Um, I almost feel like with everything going on at the minute, I'd quite like it to be Ukraine. Um, But Alistair, what's your thoughts on it in terms of England? But we'll talk about the wider draw in a minute. But what are your thoughts on whether England have been lucky? Yeah, um, I think about lucky or not lucky, I'm not too sure. I mean, um, I haven't really thought about that, but I think we, um, we've, uh, yeah, at face value, when you look at it on paper, we should win all those games. But I still think they're tricky games. You know, you, you, you look at past uh, tournaments when we've had USA in there, for example, and it's not been an easy game overall. Um, they still challenge us in one way or another, even if they're not um, like all technically uh, as gifted as England players, for example. And the same goes with, say, Scotland, because I think we had Scotland uh, last year, didn't we? So, yeah, we had them in the Euros. We drew nil nil at Wembley. So, and it's always going to. It's like it's the equivalent of a derby in in uh, in club football. So, 
it's not always as easy as it should be. So mm. um, it could challenge us still a bit, but hundred percent, we should be going through and yeah, and, um, absolutely. And I think forward into the the, the round uh, groups uh, thingy. And you cannot, you can't speak today. Um, yeah, so yes, yeah. yeah, so England should get through that group quite comfortably. I think, like you said, the USA will be a tough-ish game. Um, they've got some really good players. Obviously, Christian Pulisic being the the main one of those. Other than that, I don't see really a challenge coming from Ukraine or Iran. Uh, Wales, obviously, Gareth Bale. Scotland are a good side as well. So it'll be a tough, it'll be a tough enough group, but it won't be anything that I can't see England struggling to get through. Um, Obviously, the reason I ask, have we been lucky, is because obviously with the last World Cup and the Euros, we've had quite lucky routes to final and semi-final, respectively. And obviously, there could have been a lot harder teams in here. So, were you happy with the draw, or are you not really thinking about it yet? I'm, yeah, I'm not really thinking about it yet, um, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, to talk about it tonight, yeah, I'm, I'm I am happy with that draw. Looking at all the groups here, I wouldn't say there's like a group of death. Yeah, I was um, thinking that actually when I tweeted, oh, sorry, Instagram posted for us um, to announce the groups, I didn't think that there was a group of death. I guess the, the closest thing to it is either Group F or Group G. Or group yeah. F have got Belgium and Croatia in it, um, but also Morocco, who are a really handy side, got to the quarterfinals of the African Cup of Nations, and Canada, who have come through um, as the top of the North American qualifiers. And then Group G's got Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon, who have all, all got some very, very good players. So I think it's really interesting that there isn't a group of death. Group E? What, Spain, Germany, Japan, and then Costa Rica or New Zealand? I think once you get past the top two of Spain and Germany, it's a fairly simple one. Yeah. Japan, they always, they've got some handy players, though, haven't they? Name four. <laughs> Just uh, um, <laughs> Huang Chan, who plays for Wolves. He's Korean. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> you're de- you're okay. not coming across not coming across racist at all. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to stop Think, talking now. If you thought closer to home, maybe Takumi Minamino would have been a good place to start. Oh, that would have been very good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Japan are a decent side, but I, again, like group, it's not a group of death, is it? You know, when we've looked at groups of death before, you try and you're struggling to think who's going to get out that group. Um, like I look at Group G, that's the one that caught my eye most as a group of death because I think Brazil get through it, but then it could be any of the other three to make that a really interesting group because Cameroon obviously can hold their own for sure. Um, Serbia, Switzerland, very good teams have we seen recently with England playing Switzerland at Wembley. So, yeah, yeah very exciting. Well, let's um, let's move on from sort of England specifically because we, we know what England's chances are. They're one of the favourites. They're expected to get to the latter stages of the tournament. But who are the other favourites in the tournament going into it? Obviously, France... Um, are going to be up there. You've got Spain, Germany, we've mentioned. Is, is there anyone there that you think they are outright favourites? Is it England, in your mind? Alistair, who do you think, mate? Um, other than, say, those ones, and England should 100% be expecting to get to the semis at least. Um, I'd probably say the one you haven't said, um, Brazil. Mm. I think Brazil have started to establish themselves as a bit more of a solid kind of team working well they've not I don't think um, I heard it the other day I don't think they've 
I think they're defensively they're pretty solid at the moment, and they have been for a while, especially with two world class keepers with, that they have. Um, and then obviously they've got Rafinha, who's kind of started to come into that role a bit more as as an actual striker, which Brazil seem to lack. Um, and yeah. also the fact that I think it takes a bit of the pressure off Neymar um, going into this tournament. Um, yeah, so I think I think that that could be you know, and again, a couple of players who could could um, like like a Coutinho who could like maybe revitalize himself and give himself a bit of a chance. Players like that, um, I think they've got a good chance. And if they can get out of that group, which is a tough group, um, it will get definitely give them some some momentum going forward. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, Brazil for me would be one of the ones um, I would be looking at. Like, George, what, what, George, what do you think? Obviously, Brazil, which is the shirt I'm wearing tonight, incidentally, for those listening to us. Uh, Alistair's gone with the Schneider Holland shirt and George is in South Africa again. Um, George, favourites for you? Is it Brazil or is it someone else that's sort of in there? No, I'd have to disagree with Alistair there on, on Brazil, actually. Um, I know. <laughs> what? Um, I think they're a bit light up top personally i don't think they've got enough fire firepower up top but i love Firmino, obviously being a Liverpool fan uh but jesus hasn't really played this season uh neymar mm, let, yeah. let's see what he does but it's a lot of pressure on him and coutinho's now finding his feet as alistair says with villa um, I think, did, just like on coutinho did he not score a couple of goals for brazil in a recent friendly yeah. So yeah, you know he's carried that form from Villa onto the international stage. So he's obviously a good um, option. But George, I absolutely agree with you. They they do lack that central striker and have done for a number of years. Really, they obviously tried it with um, what was the big guy called? Is his name Fred as well? Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah. Fred. <laughs> Sorry, so back, back, back over to you, George. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Um, I think on paper, I'm going to go with France. I mean, I think they were a bit disappointed in the Euros last year. Um, but, yeah, on paper, I think they probably still have the strongest squad out of everyone. Fair enough. I'm going to go with a bit of a weird one. And it's not uh, – they're not a dark horse because if you said they were a dark horse, you'd almost be like, well, hmm. you can't really co- – I'm actually going to go with my favourites as Spain. Oh. I think that, like – Brazil, they lack a certain amount of firepower, but you saw they got to the Euro semi-finals and they were unfortunate to lose on penalties to Italy. Um, and I just thought, I thought personally, and I know that we ended up losing, I would have preferred to have played Italy in the Euro final than Spain because I feel like Spain have got a lot more threat and they control the ball so well. And with Luis Enrique in the dugout for them, they've got a world-class manager in there and not many teams can say that on the international stage. So, the other thing that to think about is the hot weather. Um, I know it's going to be winter over there, but it's still going to be a level above what we are used to in England. Um, and Spain have that hot weather training all year round. So it's just another aspect of um, what could come to be a positive for them. So, yeah, mine's not necessarily one of the ones you'd think would jump out to you, but mine's Spain. Um especially because of the way they performed at the Euros. I think they've got a little bit of quality in every area. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Spanish. I think um, saying just quickly, like the hot weather and that, um, and one of my thoughts, I was just going to say, um, just before all of this as well, was like, 
we all obviously want like an underdog to come through and all of that. But one thing which I would love, and we've actually spoken about it, we spoke about it probably about a month or a month ago, six weeks, about like having more um, teams from other continents. Yeah. Like I'd love to see a uh, an African team go further. Like yeah. I'd love to see like a Senegal or a Cameroon. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at example, just go to yeah. like semi. I think that'd be great. Even We're looking at the group. Looking at the groups, I mean, like, I'd be very, very surprised if Senegal didn't get out of that group. Yeah. I think even Tunisia could give a really good go in Group D, obviously France being the toughest one. But then, like you said, Cameroon and Ghana um, absolutely have the chance of going through. And then you've got Mexico as another potential one who would benefit from the heat over there in terms of the players that they've got. Let's talk about dark horses then. Let's make that a transitional piece. Very nice. Um we like you said, we love a dark horse. We want to see one come through. I think that everyone's always got one that they want to keep an eye out for. So I'm going to sort of just jump to both of you one by one. So come to you, Alistair, specifically. As much as you'd like to see an African team go through, rather than just who we like, let's think about who we like feasibly could see reach a quarterfinal or a semi-final against the odds. Who in there stands out to you? As a dark horse? Um yeah, someone you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like someone, you know how we all expected Turkey to do quite well at the Euros and they absolutely bombed. But someone that you could see, not a tournament favourite, but also someone that you think could do quite well. George? Yeah. Yeah. George. I'll, um, I'll go for Switzerland. They're okay. always, yeah, they're always there and thereabouts. I think they're a country that's happy and apologise for any Swiss fans out there listening. Um, I, I think they're always happy and content with like reaching the knockout phase of a major competition. Yeah, I like, apologise to our huge Swiss fan base. <laughs> you never know. We're, we're growing on Instagram. We're growing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think... Um, you know, they're a country that are happy with that sort of knockout phase, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I'll go for Switzerland. And, and in, in terms of Switzerland, they do have some quality players as well. Obviously, we've talked previously about Zerdan Shakiri now playing in the MLS, but still a player that can change a game. They've got the likes of um, Ricardo Rodriguez. They've got um, Seferovic up front as well, who's decent. Eduardo Vargas, who's a good player. And they've got a really good team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They could be the ones to cause some problems, especially the way that we saw them nullify England um, recently with the likes of Briel Embolo up front as well. So I think the centre Switzerland are always a good shout and are always um, they're always good value to get through to, like you said, at least those sorts of knockout rounds. But maybe this is the tournament they take it a little bit further. Um, Alistair, have you decided on anyone yet or are you still, uh, still yeah. staring at the draw? Uh, yeah, I was staring for a while. Um I got two which like have actually kind of stuck with me a bit, but I'm trying to think which one. I'll probably go. I'll go Poland. Mm. I think Poland's just obviously. Well, I'm, I'm like. I'm you, hoping... Is it Matty Cash? <laughs> That's not the only reason. Oh, it's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons. <laughs> He's a great fullback. Um, no. Um... <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> Um, I just think if it's one of those where if you've got your best player on it and you've got a team around you who are doing good enough, 
Yeah. And, and you got a bit of luck because in any tournament, you 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 do need luck. You know, you do need it. And if it goes your way, um, and you've got the right uh, uh, what am I thinking? The right route through. Oh, the right pathway, yeah. Right pathway in that. Then I I don't see why not. Like a Poland with Lewandowski, um, and if he can get some momentum in that, hopefully he plays. This is the awkward moment when he actually retires before it or something. But oh, I, I don't think he'll be retiring before yeah, the World Cup, mate. I think so. <laughs> so um, I'll go Poland. Yeah, I'm I mean, not 100 convinced myself, but I, that's the one which I'm looking at, and I'm thinking because the thing is, what I was looking at was like. There's a lot of European teams which you can't say are dark horses because they've always been like touted, touted as like you know a team to do this and like a Belgium or a Germany or you know any of those teams you look at and you think yeah. well they've got the quality there they can't be dark horses really so well I know like what you mean but... Mexico and I don't know I just think like I know what you mean but I just feel like the likes of Poland's Switzerland, Serbia, especially just the three that have just jumped out at me there. You wouldn't expect them to do something in a tournament necessarily, especially Serbia. When was the last time Serbia made a tournament? Was it 2006? I don't remember them making another one. Um, it might have been 2012, but yeah, yeah, they've not got that level of pedigree that you expect them to get far in a tournament. So I think the thing with Poland is, and it's always the same, is that if the rest of the team doesn't perform, then Lewandowski can't do everything himself yeah. as much as he has done for years. Um, I remember when they played at the Euros, I think they played Sw uh, Sweden in their last group game. I think it was 2-2, um, but it was literally Lewandowski scored both and both goals, he pretty much created them out of nothing. Yeah. They've obviously got good players like Matty Cash, who's half decent. They've got Peter Zielinski, who plays for uh, Napoli as well, who's a good player. They've got Wojciech Szczesny in goal. But other than that, I don't really think they've got many players. Like They played... Um, they actually played Sweden, didn't they, in the playoff to get to the World Cup? And like Gregor Krasoviak was playing in midfield, and he's like 36. Mm -hmm. So, like, they haven't been able to bring through good young players, and this is their problem, I think. But, like you said, if Lewandowski can get two chances in a game, you expect him to stick at least one of them away. And if they can hold on at the other end, then why not Poland? I think my one comes from the same group actually, uh, is Mexico. I think that Mexico are in with a really good chance this year of doing quite well. I see them getting out of that group. I actually think that it will be them and Argentina that get out of that group. Um, and I don't think they've got as much individual quality as Poland, but I do think they've got really good team spirit and they've got good quality throughout the team. Um, and the other one, I just want to really give a shout out to Canada because they've done such a good job to get to this World Cup. Is it the first one in 36 years they've reached? Yeah. yeah, and like Alfonso Davis, left back. They've got like players like Atiba Hutchinson, who plays for Bajiktas, and Kyle Larin, who also plays for Bajiktas, and like 30 something year old Junior Hoyler. And they're just, it's just great to see a team like Canada get to a World Cup finals. I really hope that they, they have a good tournament, but I don't expect them to be getting out of that group, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, just very, very quickly, because of the way that the groups have lined up, Netherlands, we haven't really mentioned them. Alistair, you're wearing the shirt, which prompts the question. Do the Netherlands have a good shout for getting far in this tournament? They certainly should be getting out of that group. But do you think the Netherlands could surprise a few? 
Um, I think they've always had like some good quality in their team um, mm. in, in certain players, but I just don't think they've ever, let's say ever, I don't think since when, when was it? Um, was it 2012 when they got to the final or was it? No, again, no. Or... It was South Africa, South Africa, 2010. 2010 was it? Yeah. So like since then, I just don't think they've had, um, they, they've been in a bit of a transition phase in a way with a lot of their te- like players and that um, yeah. as a nation. Um, and I just like in the most recent tournaments, they haven't quite, um, nothing's just gone their way. Nothing's really worked for them. Do you and remember they, that they lost They lost in the knockout rounds yeah, of the Euros yeah. to the Czech Republic, didn't they? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, they did, didn't they? So, um, But then you think about their team, like you put their team down on paper and it's like, holy crap, this isn't yeah. like, they should be one of the big powerhouses going into this because oh, this is off the top of my head. You have... At the back, like let's say they play three centre backs, just because that's what I'm thinking of. They've got Nathan Ake, Virgil Van Dijk, and Matthijs De Ligt. They've got Jeannie Wijnaldum and Frankie De Jong. They've got yeah. um, Memphis Depay, Daniel Marlon, who can play up front. They've probably got more than I can't think of. Like they've got Dan Juma, who used to be at Bournemouth, now at Villarreal. He's been brilliant. They've got um, that young uh, lad Durian Timber right back. They've got loads of great. Luke De Jong, yeah, Van yeah Stephen Pergwine, yeah, like ridiculous talent. So in theory, like Vuk Vegas, Anwar El Ghazi, never heard of him, mate. So you play in League One, League Two. <laughs> Ryan Gravenberch, uh, Ryan Gravenberch, as well, haven't they? Gravenberch is a great Justin shout. Timber. Uh-huh. Justin Timber, yeah, Urian, yeah. is it Urian Timber? I don't know. Jurian, Jurian, Justin Timber. They've also got um, Jeremy Frimpong that plays for Leverkusen, used to play for uh, Celtic. Oh, they've got some ridiculous players. Even Jasper Sillison in goal. Decent team. So it's weird that they don't get mentioned as much. Maybe they're the dark horses. Who knows? Maybe they're the ones that no one's expecting to come through to win their first World Cup. But that's our reaction to the World Cup draw. We'll be covering more of the World Cup. We'll probably be doing two or three podcasts a week during the World Cup, which will be very, very exciting. And we look forward to that starting this winter. Now, we're going to move on to something else uh, that is international football related. And it's the argument of boo or no boo, basically. So recently, when England played the Ivory Coast at Wembley in a friendly, which they won 3-0, um, Harry Maguire, when his team, when the team was read out, Harry Maguire's name was booed by sections of the England fans before the game. Now, it's been debated heavily online and um, by various football outlets, and we're going to join the argument as to whether fans should boo players before a game. Where do you guys stand on this in terms of should fans boo? And if yes, if no, why? George, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, um, I agree with it and I don't agree with it. Like, oh, here he is. Don't don't write him off. Don't write him off. Norwich, <laughs> still got a chance. <laughs> um, I yeah, because I I've got a very strong opinion on players getting picked for their country on form. And I think we touched on this last week. Yeah. Maguire should not be anywhere near that squad based on his current club form. However, 
At major tournaments, yes, Maguire has done very well for his country, scored some vital goals. Fair enough. He's in the squad. He's never let down Southgate. So he's in. England fans, you've just got to get over it. He's in the squad. And that's that's that. Like you can complain on, you know, squad announcements beforehand, the day before. But on the day of the game, when the players need you to perform, nah, you shouldn't be booing uh, before a game. That, that's my opinion. Alistair? Yeah, I just don't think people should be booing, to be honest. Um, I mean, so why are they booing him? Because he shouldn't be playing. They're booing him. I, I don't, this is the other thing is as to whether they're booing him because he's at Man United and it's like some sort of loyalism from sections of the fans. So maybe they're supporters of other teams. It, it might be like George. They don't think he should be picked based on form at the moment. Um, then, some people just don't like Harry Maguire. But then, like, okay, go for the second one that he shouldn't be picked. Like, he's he's not choosing. Southgate's choosing. So, like, good point. He doesn't, he doesn't choose to be in the team or not. He just gets picked or doesn't. He's not. And would they, if you flip it and say, okay, Southgate picks him, but then Harry Maguire says, actually, I don't think I deserve to be in the England team. I'm going to step down from this. It, it, they're gonna. There's always gonna be people who say, "Oh, well, you should you should be you know grateful to be picked for your national team. Why don't you represent them?" And so you're never gonna get anyone win. And so it's a it's a, it's always a situation in his uh, his case where, yeah, you're not gonna win. You're always gonna be the the bad person. Um, mm -hmm. But all he can do is play the game, and hopefully for him, prove the doubters wrong by yeah. putting in a good performance, but 100%, I don't, you know, I don't condone, um, like, the, you know, the booing and that, so... Um, it's really funny that you guys both stand on that, because I actually support fans in booing, if they want to, um, and it's not necessarily a Harry Maguire thing, but I think the fact that fans are booing to express their thoughts and emotions on something is what they pay their ticket money for. Like if fans go into a ground and they are not happy with something, there's only one way they can show that. And that is verbally. I disagree. I think there's a, there's another way they can show it and that's just not coming to the game. If they well, don't watch, if they don't want to watch a certain team or they disagree with uh, a manager, don't come to the game. Like, I, I've made the game. Support the team. The if thing is, though... Support them. Don't turn up. The thing is, though, what is voting with your feet going to do? Because someone else will just get your ticket. Like, if you don't buy a ticket, someone else will buy that ticket. So they're still going to have a crowd, but that crowd will be more, you know, conformative to one way or the other. And, like, this is the thing. If you don't agree with the decision, there's only one way as a fan that you can really do anything and it is to verbalize it i think i don't know that voting with your feet is necessarily the right thing because you can unless it's like a mass exodus of a game where fans protest then you know and there's also the thing that going into that game england fans didn't know that harry Maguire was going to start the game so when the team sheets read out and harry Maguire is starting it's a natural reaction if you're not happy with the decision to verbalise that, I think. And I'm not saying that Harry Maguire should have been booed. I don't think he should have been. I think Harry Maguire, like you said, and I think you brought up a really good point, is he's not picking the team and he's not picking the squad. If he's in it, 
unless he pulls himself out, then people will say he's not patriotic or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if he's in the squad and he's given a game, you're not going to... Like, if he turned around and picked one of us three, completely out of the blue, you know, like, put this in real, like, circumstances. If he turned around and was like, oh, I came to watch your crap Saturday team, and actually I want to give you an England cap, you wouldn't go, oh, no, I don't deserve it. You'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. So Harry Maguire doesn't deserve criticism for being in the squad himself. The criticism is in the decision that's been made and people are allowed to disagree with that. You know, it's the same as when people boo a referee in decision. They just disagree with it and there's no other way to show that. Mm. I see your point. It's um, it's always going to be... Uh, it, yeah, it's always going to be like a agree to disagree type thing, isn't it? It's... um, I don't think... And like you said, the masses type thing where unless you get the masses of of a group of England fans who have the same opinion to um, all agree to not turn up to matches or all agree to boo or that, then it's never, you, like, even as an individual, you're never going to make, you can only stand up for what you believe in a way, can't yeah. you? Like, if you say, like I, like I said, okay, if you don't think that, like, if you don't want to watch that player, then don't come to the match or watch that team, don't come to the match, then... Like, you know, for yourself, you've done the right thing if you think that's the right thing. But then, that, like you said, someone else would take that ticket and do the same thing anyway. Um, yeah, exactly. Unless everyone thought the same thoughts and, and decided not to boo. But um, it's a shame because I think, like, as the other thing as well is, um, again, it's... Can it's, I just, it's thinking of that, can I just quickly flip this the other way, just really quickly, and just think about it somewhere else? So, like, take a club that's struggling or have like been run poorly in recent years. So, like, take the Rafa Benitez era of Everton, for example. Fans conformatively booed because they weren't happy with the team's performances and they weren't happy with the decisions that were being made regarding the manager and things like that. But then they would cheer goals because they still want their team to succeed. So it's just like the flip version of that. Fans are cheering for the team as a general thing, but yeah. with one specific example of something they're not happy with, they're just verbalising that exact same thing in that we don't want Maguire in the team. And it might be a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Me and George, I'm sure you as well, Alistair, are in a position where we don't think Maguire should be in the team because if he's picking people on um, form, then he shouldn't be there. And if he's picking people on their previous form for the country, then Marcus Rashford should be in the team. Then also, what if, what if you knew that Maguire was consistent in tournaments, and because no, no, just just hear me out for the whole thing. Like if you knew he was consistent, no. in, okay. Um, if you knew he was consistent <laughs> in tournaments, I hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Like should pick players on um, form because you know, yeah, just be just because it's the obvious, but. Like, if you've got established players that you know are going to be in the team for the tournament, then why... And, and like I said, you know, they're consistent players and they do well in the tournament. Like, you've got to have that blend again, haven't you? You can't just, you can't just not have him in the team all the way up to a tournament and I then agree. suddenly bring him in. So it's, it's, that, it's that balance between accepting that actually these are the first-team players, like a Harry Kane... Yeah, no, I, I, are the players who are trying to push them out. And I do agree. I do agree. But on that point, because and George, feel free to jump back in if you want. George is still here for anyone that's listening. <laughs> um, right. 
<laughs> I feel like it's worth bringing up that there are how many months? Eight months until the World Cup. We've got at least six more games, I think, before the tournament starts. And these are friendlies at the end of the day. And you like with, I know what you mean with first team players. You want to have the blend of first team and new players. But would this not be a really good opportunity to go, right, you are not in form, so I'm not selecting you for these two friendlies. Buck your ideas up. Yeah. So that they come back into the team like, right, I really need to kick my ass into gear now because if I don't, I could lose my place. 100%. He's alive. I'm alive, alive, everyone. I'm here. I've just had a coffee. Um, (laughs) No, like, like, this was the opportunity. Like, Rashford, Sancho, they weren't in these squads because they weren't playing well enough. Why is Maguire in that squad? It just makes me so angry. Like, I just don't get it. That And, like, I think there's probably the people, that the fans that were showing their discontent towards Maguire in, in the squad in uh, on the night of the game were probably, I don't know, uh, Brighton fans, Burnley fans who feel, or Newcastle fans, you know, all these uh, uh, clubs that have got English centre-backs that think maybe their centre-back need, uh, could have a chance in, in these friendlies. Why not? Like, Maguire didn't deserve to be in those friendlies. I understand, as Alistair says, like the importance of integrating and molding new players and old players in, but no, not I, for me. You, yeah. I think just if quickly. You, hang on, I am. It's my podcast. Let me go next. Um, <laughs> just on George's point, just really quickly, Alistair, and linking to your previous point as well. There are still senior players in that team without Maguire. You've still got like Harry Kane started up front both games. Definitely started up front against Switzerland. You still had. Sterling, you still had Foden, you still had uh, Declan Rice, you still had Carl Walker, etc. etc. Pickford was in goal. It's a good opportunity to drop Harry Maguire. But okay, here's here's a thought. Um, this is only the second one you'll have had all day. I know, yeah, it's, da- it's dangerous, <laughs> borderline. Um, so England have established themselves in recent tournaments as a pretty is it fair to say a defensively a solid team? Yeah, probably. Yeah. In tournaments. Okay, so yeah. we know we know roughly like defensively we're pretty solid. We know what we're good at at the back and the players we've had, i.e. Maguire, just as an example, has been at the core of that for the majority. We have got an abundance of attacking players, haven't we? Is that fair to say? An abundance, like whether because this is the thing I'd say we probably, I'd say we've probably got more better defensive options than we have attacking options. But I'm saying, but okay, but think of the whole thing. We've been solid at the back, okay. So up front, we've got so many attacking players and so many ways we could play. We don't know, like we haven't got an established like attacking group of players who we know are all going to be in the team except say a Kane okay so Kane is the like the center you know is is like the focus at the top so Kane's always going to be in the team and Sterling I just I'm not trying to disprove you but Sterling as well will play that as the whole attacking 100% like Sterling will play Foden plays Grealish plays uh Belling, Bellingham or or um any other insert? Mason Mount, Mason Mount, Mason Mount um, Rashford, Lingard, um, Sancho, 
all of these have been players who have been dipping in and out, but Sterling, 100%, he'll, he will be a first a starter. Kane will be the attacking player. He'll be the striker. So is there not a need for more versatility and, and experimentation with attacking players as opposed to defensively? Because defensively, But can you not do both? But defensively, we have been solid. So why change it if it's but, been working? But we also have been scoring goals. We and have. we could just change that. Like... I think enough because you look at the Italy game, and we didn't we didn't score goals. We were solid at the back, we didn't concede, but then we did. It was one one. Oh, was it okay? One one. Uh, <laughs> so we scored and we conceded. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, we've been solid at the back, haven't we? Yeah, I think. I just I just think all I'm saying is like defensively we have been there, and attacking we have good games we haven't been uh, we haven't got this uh, established creative side to us which always uh, consistently is on form we have glimpses but there's nothing which you can say we've got so much attacking talent you know we have uh, in individual players we, it's just not worked i think i personally think I think you could name more potential England starters at the back than you could attackers at the minute. I think that but our the, back options, I think the opportunity to explore our options at the back has been missed in these last two games. I'll give you one specific I'll give you one specific player who I guarantee will be sat at home thinking what more do I need to do to get into this team and that is for Kayo Tomori. Harry Maguire is playing for Kaio Tomori, who is top of Syria, who's kept the most clean sheets this season, has played the most games out of all the defenders in AC Milan's team this season. It hasn't even got into the squad. That's what I mean. Like, it's just stupid. That's it's all just... I'm saying, in that you could have gone with Fukayo Tomori at the back. He's not inexperienced. He's played for England before. He's playing for like he's playing in a foreign country. He's able to deal with big crowds, big pressure. And let's be honest, we played Switzerland and the Ivory Coast. If you can't change it against them, who are we going to change it against? And like, look, I will say like, if it was like, say we needed to qualify this game, this was like a World Cup qualifier, like say if this was, and he put Maguire in instead of Tamori, I would understand because it's, it's tried and tested. And as we say, Maguire's never let him down. But as you say, it's 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 a friendly. Just play play players in form, you know. Yeah, I like. I would have liked to have seen Tammy Abraham get more minutes. Like scoring goals for Roma, it's not easy, but that's the way well, it is. On yeah, huh? I mean, if you're not doing it in Italy, you ain't gonna do it in the Premier League, are you? Yeah, but this is the thing you're saying about like our attacking options, and we're not, you know, we're not. Um, what's the word like we're not as consistent going forward but again like in these friendlies has he mixed it up that much I don't think he has done and has he picked on form again I don't think so because Tammy Abraham wasn't starting Jared Bowen wasn't in the squad uh, I, oh was he I can't remember you know I didn't watch either game because they were on Sky problem is, if, the problem is if you if you pick players on form all the time you, you, your team's going to be different every time. 
Like no, 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 but no, but the, it's consistent form over a number of months. We're not saying like the flavor of the week. It's like right, who's having a good season? We're in March, so people who have been having a good like. Let's talk about Jacob Ramsey, mate. You want Jacob Ramsey in the squad? You want Jacob Ramsey in the squad? But if his form dips until the World Cup, you wouldn't be saying take him. No, 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 hundred percent. There not. we go. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay, so you're saying about like. <laughs> No, you're saying that consistent throughout the whole season. Then this season, we've had our oh, countless centre-halves come in. How have all of these defenders been consistent when there's only one team at the top of the league? But this is what we mean. It's, but you can be a good performer in a bad team, and you can be a bad performer in a good team. Yeah, it's, it, but it's... Here's, a good, here's an interesting one. Jack Grealish. His move from Aston Villa, I think he moved to play for more for England. I, that's, I think that's a reason why he moved to Man City. I think he, I don't think he wanted to play for a championship club, but yeah, go on. <laughs> like, when he played at Villa, he was amazing. <laughs> but now I think, I mean, obviously he's playing a different system now under Guardiola. He's probably been told to play in a different way. But like, from, our, you know, from watching the games he's playing, he's not standing out in that team. But he's in the England starting eleven now. Yeah, it's um, Grealish one is a funny one, isn't it? Because, like you said, I completely agree with you, George. Like he made that move because he wanted to win trophies, but also he probably thought playing in a big in a team with better quality players and more English players would help his chances and maybe change his style of style of play. Because, you know, he a Villa was the centre of the team he was the focus and because of that Villa had a certain style which worked around him he wasn't going to be the focus at England even though people wanted him to be because there's too much talent around him there's too many big players as well and so 100% you know and in my opinion it's a failed move at the moment it's not worked out for him um, which is a shame it might change it might change in a season's time or two but um like Grealish is one where actually I don't I don't think he's really um he's he's not on form. You know, he hasn't been on form all season. He's been he's been plodding along. But Would you pick him? Would you pick him? I'd pick him purely because he can in a moment change a game. Um Aaron Maguire can. Yeah, Grealish has got something different though, isn't he? You know that. You know in a game he can change if he's if he's got the confidence, like in the Euros. He can make, he's just got some, he offers something different, just like Bellingham does, you know, or a, a, a you know, a, a Ramsey, if on his game, like we've seen for Villa, he he just drives. He doesn't care how many people are ahead of him. He'll drive at players. And he, a lot of England players don't do that, you know, and, and that's something which, um, which has been lacking. Um, but Grealish has that in, in the moment, so I'll right. well, on that. Off, off the tops of your head, then over right a Sancho, now, for example, oh. like San, over a Sancho who is a great player who is phenomenal, you know, really good for Borussia Dortmund. Sorry, not at United, and he's not a game-changing player at the moment. He's definitely a confidence player at the moment, and he's not got yeah. any confidence. So I pick a Grealish over a Sancho, Grealish over a. You know, obviously a Rashford, a Lingard, all of these for in my opinion. But all right, so off the top of your head right now, 
World Cup is tomorrow. What's your starting lineup for the first game? George, right. off the top of your head, right now. Top of my head, right. Okay. You want me to go first? Go on then. I don't mind, but mine would be Pickford and goal. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily like I this is what I think it'll be, not what I want it to be, because mm-hmm. I don't I wouldn't pick Pickford in goal. Mm-hmm. Um again on four at the minute. But um, so I think it'll be Pickford in goal. He'll go with four. It'll be Carl Walker, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, John Stones. And I think over the next few games, it will establish itself as Rice and Bellingham in central midfield. And then he'll go with uh, Grealish, Mount, Sterling, Kane. Yeah, good shout. If it, I don't think that there's anything that will change from that except the two central midfielders. But I don't think Calvin Phillips will get up to a level to get back into that starting lineup. No. Anyone I, got any different? Uh, who do you say the back line for? Who do you say the back line was? Back four will be Walker, Shaw, Maguire, Stones, if they're all fit. Yeah, maybe the only right. Would he take? Would he take out Walker? I think James is. A good I don't shout think he would. Right back. I don't think he'd take Walker out. Plus, James has had injuries this season as well. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because like, if it was down to me, preference-wise, I'd play five at the back instead of four, because I think we're a lot more solid and we've a lot more dynamic when you've got wing backs rather than uh, a right back and a left back, and it also lets the likes of Declan Rice pick the ball up off the defence without having to worry about covering in there. So, mm. it's interesting. Alistair, anything different from you or no? What was your three behind Kane? Grealish? Grealish on the left, then Sterling right and Mount through the middle. I think he prefers Mount over Foden. Oh, see, I was going to say Foden personally. I would yeah. I would choose Foden, yeah. but I think he'll start Mount. I yeah, don't I think, think he likes that. Foden that much. Yeah. I don't think he yeah, knows like, how to use like, Foden. I think... But then, does he know how to use Grealish? Play him on the left let wing, Grealish that's all he's play. done with him. Do you just let Grealish play? You just stick him on the left wing, don't you? Yeah. I think, yeah. That he, I think that he'll go with Mount over Foden, but we can only predict. And obviously, there are games still to come. We've got the International League coming up in June, July, which is four games. So, it'll be interesting to see what he does. But I hope that he gives... Players who deserve it, an opportunity over the next few months. But if there let's was a move player, sorry, just oh, let's not... if there was <laughs> if there was a centre half who could come in instead of a Maguire or Stones, who do you reckon it would be? If I could pick, if you what is it who I think will come in? Who you think could come in, but also if you could pick. So two separate things, because if it's Southgate, he'll put Tyrone Mings in. He's had 15 out of 17 clean sheets, I've heard. He'll play he'll play Tyrone Mings. He'll play Tyrone Mings if it's if it's if there's an injury, he'll put Mings in first ahead of Cody. Isn't it? You've got to, yeah. you can't deny 15 of 17. No, I like Tyrone Mings. He's had a poor season, but yeah. I like Tyrone Mings. Um he would put Mings in, then he would put Cody if it were me. I love for Kyle tomorrow night. Yeah. I think he's class and he's doing really well in a tough league. 100%. 100%. He's, he's doing well in a tough league. I mean, like, as much as we laugh at Syria, some of the best strikers in the world apply their trade in that league. Yeah. So, yeah. interesting. Um, anyway, let's move on to our quiz for this week. Now, anyone that wasn't listening last week, George had an absolute stinker uh, and allowed a 10-point gap to open up. And this 
is the final of our trifecta of higher or lower quizzes. So uh, first week we did Premier League goals. Last week we did Premier League appearances. And this week, in the honour of England and the World Cup draw, we are doing England caps. So we're going to do higher or lower England caps. Now, the score is currently Alistair 19, George 9. So if Alistair wins this week, Alistair's going to get three points. If George wins, George will get six, which was agreed upon before the podcast. Um, for anyone who's listening for the first time, we will basically um, be doing a quiz every week and the loser at the end of the Premier League season will be doing a podcast in their biggest rivals kit. Um, so Alistair most likely in a Birmingham kit, I'm assuming, and George in a Manchester United kit. So really looking forward to that and the fact that I'm not involved in this. Hmm. So... Yay. As we did last week, I'm going to give you a player. Um, I want you to have a guess as to how many caps they had and then closest will decide whether they start or not. Okay. So how many England caps did Joe Cole have, formerly of Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham, etc.? Okay. I'll come nice. to... Oh, go to George first. I was going to go for a nice round figure. I'll go for 50. 50. See, my initial thought was around 57. Oh, that's a very specific number. I don't know why, but I just said 57, yeah. thought that. It's, it's 56. Well, hey. That's absolutely that's superb, Alistair. So, Alistair, you get to choose. Do you want to start or do you want to let George go How first? How many questions are there? 14. Oh, I'll start. Go on. Okay, well, it's interesting. The first one is a former Villa captain. Higher or lower than 56 caps, Mr. Gareth Barry? Um, um, Lower. It is lower. Gareth Barry had 53 caps for England, so Alistair stays on. Uh, The second one is... Lampard, wasn't he? So, Well, the second one is another one of those that did he play as much. Peter Crouch. Mm, yeah, see, what was Barry? It's higher or lower than 53. So Peter Crouch, who obviously was the leading man for a few years, but I'm then... sure he had a good record, but he had a very good record. Yeah, he did. He scored, I think he ended up scoring like in half of his games. Yeah, basically. I'll probably say... I think he scored like, I swear he scored like 30 and 60 or something like that. So slightly higher, I'm going. It's actually lower. So Peter Crouch scored 22 goals in 42 England games. Uh, it was very oh impressive. So it goes across to Mr. George Turner for the first time this week. Willie, <laughs> throw it away again. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, here we George, go. Right. Here we go. So Peter Crouch had 42 England caps. Did. Nigel Martin get more or less? Less. <laughs> he did get less. It was 23. Very confident. Okay, number four. Scored in a World Cup for England. Matthew Upson. More, uh, what was the number? 23? It was 23. Less. It is less. 21, Matthew Upson. Uh, scored with his face, of course, in that famous game against Germany. Um, number five. Scott Parker, obviously formerly of Charlton, Newcastle, Fulham. Again, more. It's less. Scott Parker only played 18 games for England. 
But it's like Gareth Barry just couldn't get ahead of the ones that were in there. So it goes back to Alistair for number six, more or less than 18. Sean Wright Phillips. Hmm. Um, we've had a lot of less, so I'm just going for a more. It is more. He got double Scott Parker's. He got 36 England caps, Sean Wright Phillips. It was very impressive. Number seven is Sir Jeff Hurst. I'd, it'd be a guess. Um, I'm going to go less. It's more. Jeff Hurst, who scored a hat-trick against Germany in the only time that we won the World Cups, he got 49 caps. Uh, for right. I thought you were going to say like 90 or something. Yeah, like, I thought it was going to be like huge. <laughs> but it's 49 caps for Sir Jeff Hurst. So uh, that moves us on to George again. So 49, higher or lower, Owen Hargreaves. Less. It is less. And I tell you what, it's closer than you'd think. He got 42 England caps. Really? I was going to say quickly as well with Jeff Hurst, like you think that's quite impressive, surely, because there wouldn't have been that many international games back then as well, would there? No, really? no. Well, you think about how far you you travel now for an international game and how many tournaments there are and things like that. Back then, there was just the European Championship and the World Cup, and they didn't really play friends like that. Mm. Very impressive. Mm. Um Okay, number nine, George. So 42, higher or lower, Paul Skulls. It's got to be more, hasn't it? It is. He's got 66 England caps. So we're on to number 10. David likes Seaman. <laughs> higher or lower than 66? Okay, tough one. I'm going to go more. It is higher. 75, David Seaman got. Very good. Number 11... Michael Owen. What was David James? 75? I don't know what David James was. But <laughs> David Seaman was 75. Oh, I thought you said David James. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, David Seaman, 75. Right, I'm going to go more. It was more. Michael Owen played a very impressive 89 for England. Three left. Number 12 is Gordon Banks. Who I'm sweating already. Famous save against Pele. So Gordon Banks, more or less than 89. England legend, Gordon Banks. More. It's less. Gordon Banks had 73 England caps. Again, thinking back to a time where there were a lot less games. So Gordon Banks, 73. And he's back again to try and ruin the quiz for George, more or less. Emil Heskey, Alistair. Of 79? Uh, 73. 73. Emil Heskey, obviously famously scored in England's 5-1 win away at Germany. See, part of me thinks that actually he's got a lot of caps and he's just really shit at scoring. <laughs> but I just, I don't know why I've got that in my head and that's going to be my gut. But like, again, I just think surely he was around a time when there was so many better players around. Can I just say... sub. Can I just say that no matter what you say, and if you get it right or wrong, it's more than he should have had. (laughs) I'm going to go more, is my gut. It's less. Emil Heskey got 62 England caps. (laughs) That man got 62, which means, George, George. (laughs) for the win... (laughs) 
Did okay. Alan Shearer Holy get shit. more or less than Emil Heskey? 62. 62. Alan Shearer. I think I have maybe. I mean, it's Alan Shearer. He must have played so many games, right? Ah, oh, this bloody game. I'm going to go more. It's more! Yeah! yeah! <laughs> yeah! He's back oh, game. I, I was sweating by question 11. <laughs> it was 63. He only played oh. one game more than Emil Hesku. That's mad. 63. But that, that is George, is your first win on the quiz. <laughs> He's in. He's on the sheet. Well, now... As a result of that, the score is 19-15 going into next week. So, really, really good. Alistair lost it on Emil Heskey, which is uh, Emil Heskey coming fair, back mate. to strike again. But next week, we'll be going back to a, uh, a standard quiz, and uh, it'll be a little bit more formatted. We'll also be discussing the best number threes in Premier League history. Um, either of you thought of that yet, or have you not really? Have, got to? Yeah, Are you excited I, for that one? I am. Yeah, that was my number at uh, youth level uh, football. Yeah, so, yeah. terrible. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this has been the flatback three. George Turner's won a quiz. We're on the board, George. It's a bit closer now, but don't forget to follow us, like, share, subscribe. Everything you can do on Instagram, Spotify, and YouTube. We've been the flatback three, and we will see you soon. <laughs>